This was definitely one of the first Sundays that I really wish Donovan was back already. Earlier in the week, as I read these readings, lessons of judgment and hardship and division, I was as confused and as repelled by the readings as you all were this morning. And that's a hard thing to say, that you are repelled by Scripture, especially when it's your job to preach on it every week. But no one likes hearing that we, the people, are a vineyard that just won't grow. And so God, who loves us, is going to give up on us and move on. Or that even those who live with extreme faith can face persecution and death. Or that households will be divided because of Jesus. Father against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Mother Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law. And daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Right before my ordination, an older priest told me the story of an older colleague of his. This priest had retired after 30 or so years of the ministry, and he was full of regrets. He said his biggest regret was standing in the pulpit Sunday after Sunday, telling an already nice group of people to be nice to each other. Because this is not the message of Scripture. This is not the message of the Gospel. And the message of be kind to one another does not transform lives. It does not bring the kingdom of God any closer. And it does not lead to salvation. Father Donovan and I would love to get up in the pulpit every week and preach sermons on grace and love and puppies and rainbows. We would love to never have to say anything hard or anything unpopular or anything challenging. But we would not be pastoring our people if we did so. As C.S. Lewis once said, I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of port would do that. If you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. Our faith is not a non-stop ride of joy and happiness. Believing in God can be a challenge. Acting as a Christian in the world can be uncomfortable. And sometimes scripture can give us more questions than answers. In the Episcopal Church, our faith is based on what we call the three-legged stool. Scripture, tradition, and reason. This means that everything we believe as a church, our theology, everything written in the catechism and the back of our books of common prayer, all of it is based on what the Bible says, what the tradition of the universal church has been since its founding, and our life experiences, logic, and gifts of the Holy Spirit. As such, when we arrive at a part of the Bible that we don't like, or that makes us cringe, or that hurts our heart, we cannot just throw it out. We as priests should not refuse to preach on it. We as Christians cannot just chalk it up to some cranky men who are not as advanced scientifically or emotionally as we are today. The Bible... This collection of books we believe is divinely inspired. And boy, is it messy. It is a collection of stories about a perfect God with imperfect people. It's a collection of histories and poems and analogies and advice and prophecies and songs. It is a compilation we will never fully understand while here on earth. And while it is not all factual, 
It is definitely all true. In our first year of seminary, Jordan and I created a new routine where right before bedtime, we read a few chapters of the Bible to each other. We read a few pages of the Old Testament, a psalm or two, and then a chapter or two from the New Testament. On our plan, we would have finished the whole Bible in exactly a year. So one cold night, we had huddled together to read our Old Testament section, and I remember seeing the section header and letting out a peal of laughter. We had arrived at a section called The Rape of Dina, and Jordan was set to read. Some of you may remember that Dina, the daughter of Leah and Jacob, was taken by force by a man named Shechem, who loved her and wanted to take her as his wife. Shechem's family meets with Dina's family and makes a deal. Shechem can take Dina as his wife if all the men in Shechem's city get circumcised. Okay, so far this is not the nicest story, but the really horrible part comes next. After all of the men are circumcised and are still in pain, Dina's brothers lead an attack on the city. They kill all of the men who are too hurt to fight, and they pillage the city, taking all of the livestock, women, and children as plunder. As Jordan read the section, I heard the confusion creep into his voice. His reaction turned from one of curiosity to one of horror, and then to disgust. After Jordan finished reading, he finally turned to me and said, Huh. That is not a story I've heard in church before. And he was right. Even our lectionary tries to avoid some of these parts of scripture that are utterly repulsive or painful. But there is a reason they're included. We're not meant to bury our head in the sand and only read the stories from the Bible that we like. If we did so, we'd be missing the power of God's redemptive love. We cannot have the resurrection without the crucifixion. We do not grow by keeping ourselves comfortable. And God wants us to grow into his people. So when we come to parts of scripture that are painful or shocking or horrifying, we shouldn't try to block it out of our mind. Instead, we should wrestle with it as Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord. All of these stories, poems, advice, revelations, all of them are scripture. All of them are divinely inspired, and we cannot pick and choose the people we would have liked to have come from, the rules or advice we would like to follow, or the God we would like to have. This is why we need a community with which to discuss our faith, and why we need to be able to openly and lovingly discuss competing ideas. We are people of limited understanding, and we all have different gifts. Which is why we as a community rest on the authority of scripture, tradition, and reason. And it is this diversity of opinions about God and our inability to remain in relationship with those with which we disagree that has driven apart our household as Jesus describes today. Yes, we have been divided by believer and non-believer. But within the family of God... We have been divided by East versus West, Catholic versus Protestant, Orthodox versus Progressive, Incense versus Praise Band, and so on. 
Even internally, we find ourselves conflicted about our faith and what being a Christian means in the here and now. And with good reason. The question of who God is, the question of who we are, these questions are important. But they are not so important that we should forget Jesus' two greatest commandments. Love God and love your neighbor. So go ahead. Be appalled by parts of scripture. Question the meaning, the intention, the context of the story or the writing. And struggle with parts of the Bible and parts of our tradition and with parts of the reason or experience of yourself or others. But strive to maintain a relationship with the non-believer or with your daughter-in-law. Don't let your faith divide you from others, especially within our Christian family. And never forget the two greatest commandments, to love God and to love your neighbor. Because the rest of it, as important as it is, is all just details.